of all, I, I, I want to mention also, um, you know, Pastor Paul preached a really good message. John preached a really good message. And some of these things bring conflict. If, you know, but when you throw a rock into a crowd, the one that gets hit yelps. It's just the way that it is. But now, in a church, in the church, you're, you know, like in the world, they say you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, because the church has so divided over this issue. But I would like to say here at New Covenant Ministries, you're blessed if you do, and you're blessed if you don't. And we have grace for one another. You believe in the vaccine, then we love you. And if you don't believe in the vaccine, then we love you. And we're staying in love no matter what you do, okay? So if you don't feel like staying in love, I'd just like to say... No, you know, but like people need to chill. Like, it's what I've realized is it's caused what's going on in the world today has caused post traumatic stress. Amen. You know, and what I mean by that is we, there's, there's, when your cortisol levels get high, there's this thing called fight or flight. And it's supposed to be there when a bear chases you or something. But today we live there. We're stressed out society. We're afraid. You know, the, the Bible says, that in the last days of Matthew 24, 7, it says that there'll be earthquakes. I think there was 108 last week. I mean, nobody's talking about it because they want to keep you focused on something else, right? But then pestilences, and, and people think that this is going to, oh, I'll be so glad when it's over. I want you to know it's not going to be over. What do you mean by that? I mean, my Bible says that this is the best of times and the worst of times. It's the great and the terrible day of the Lord. It's great if you know him and terrible if you don't. I mean, bad things are happening. I was reading a story uh, last night, this young hockey player, teenage hockey player. Now, I have a grandnephew that came up from Florida, and he's playing hockey out west on the team because his goal is to be in the NHL. Well, one of the other kids, I say kids, teenagers, got his neck skated on last night. And, and died to me and died in the hospital. Now, when you hear these things, you realize that no one is guaranteed tomorrow. You know, you've got you've got to, this is the day that the Lord has made, and you need to rejoice and be glad in it, and realize that there are millions of people around the world right now that are starving, millions in Africa that have nothing to eat. And so think about that when you're in your restaurant this afternoon and you want to complain about how bad it is in Canada. It maybe, maybe it's not like it used to be, but I want you to know this also. It's not ever going to be like it used to be. But you and I, we hang on to Habakkuk 2.14 and other verses where he said, as surely as I live, my glory will cover the earth even as Noah's water covered the sea. So even though, even though these things are getting worse, uh, the kingdom of God is advancing. And even in Matthew chapter 24, when it says it's the beginning of sorrow in the King James, what it says in, in the Hebrew, the Greek rather, it's the beginning of the birth banks. And so the earth is about to give birth to the coming of the Messiah. Now we know that he's been here before, but they don't. And, and so, and so, where can we start this? Let's start in Matthew chapter 24. 
In verse 1, it says that Jesus went out from the temple and departed. Well, when he went out and departed, he was never coming back again. That was his last time in the temple. Why? Because you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when he said in Haggai 2 and verse 9, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former, he was talking about you. So I don't want you to get the idea that this is doom and gloom, but it, people need to wake up. This is the last days. People are living like you got tomorrow. You know, the kid thought he had tomorrow. The kid thought he was going to be playing in the NHL. All of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changed, and it can happen. It's not going to happen to you and I, but, but again, no one is promised tomorrow. You know, you got today. You, this is the day, and, and how do I live by faith? I live by faith. It's so simple in Romans chapter 4. You need to draw a line. My Bible says that Abraham, though, he, you know, he was stricken with age, but it says he considered not his own body now stricken with age, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but grew strong in faith, realizing that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So you need to get a hold of whatever it is you're believing God for today. You need to get a hold of that promise and cross the line. Say, this is it. This is what God said, and it doesn't matter what's going on. Whatever's going on around me is nothing compared to what is going on in me. Greater is he that is where? In me than he that's in my circumstances, than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. The greater one is rising up in you. <laughs> he's coming to manifest himself in the world. But he's going to manifest himself in you first. In you first. Hallelujah. Come on. Get excited. So anyway, Matthew chapter 24, it went out and departed, and the disciples came to him privately and asked him. They were admiring the temple. Herod had renovated the temple and spent 46 years on it. It was one of the wonders of the world, and, and, and they were so impressed with it. And Jesus said, you think that's something? There won't be one stone left upon another. And I had been there. You can go down underneath the city and see where they had grappling hooks on these big stones and pulled them all over. When did, so they, they asked him three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so when shall those things be? Uh, happened in 70 AD when the Gentiles came in and began to, to, to beat down Jerusalem. And they've been beating down Jerusalem now for 2,000 years. But the halftime show is almost up. See, when you let's let matter of fact, maybe we should go there before we do Matthew 24. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9. Now, Daniel chapter 9 is awesome because when I think about that generation, they were taken away in captivity. We lost a whole generation of young people. We watched them go. And they weren't going to listen to anybody because, because they know everything. You ever run into somebody like that? Anyway, but they're going to find out over the next little while that they didn't know all that much at all. And they're going to return to the things of the Spirit of God. But anyway, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know all those guys. They were, they were taken away from their home and taken over into, um, over into Babylon, over into modern-day Iraq. And when they got there, Daniel began to read the prophecies of Jeremiah. And when he read the prophecies of Jeremiah, he realized... We're going to be here 70 years. 
And here's what he knew. He knew that they hid 490 years before they went into captivity. Then they were going to spend 70 years in captivity. And then they were promised 490 years after captivity. But, but they didn't get the 490 years. They're still owed seven years, which we call the tribulation period, but they call the birth pangs of the Messiah, the time of Jacob's trouble. So maybe we should just read some of that. 490 years. But this is why, this is why Jesus said, Peter said, how, how often shall I forgive my brother seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. He wasn't naming a number. He was reminding them of how long he forgave them for 409 years before they went into captivity. He's just saying there's not a numeral, it's not a, a number figure. It's you just walk in forgiveness all the time, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. You know, we play to an audience of one. Don't let people affect how you feel about God or how you feel about yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And don't be ashamed. Stop shame. That's Genesis chapter 3, shame came. You know, shame is, uh, how do you explain shame? Well, I'm going everywhere preaching the gospel. Just follow me. <laughs> shame is, there's something wrong with me. Guilt is, I did something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You do wrong things sometimes. It happens to me once or twice a year. What are you laughing about? <laughs> My wife is laughing. Come on. No, but you need to know that, again, I, I love the illustration about the pig and the sheep. They both fell in the mud, but the pig liked it. But when you're a sheep, you don't like it. You don't like it when you mess up. But you don't live in guilt and shame. And I say, go Daniel chapter 9, right after Ezekiel, right? That's how you know when you're in the wrong church, when the guy looks for the book of Ezekiel in the New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> Time to find a new pastor. Amen. Uh, where can we pick it up? Okay, the angel is coming. He's going to. Mm, I like it all. Let's pick it up in verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, this is what I admired about Daniel. You know, he didn't, he didn't say, he wasn't self-righteous, and he didn't say, God, forgive them. He said, God, forgive us. No, we, we need to learn that too when we're praying over our nation. Not God, forgive them. God, forgive us. Amen. There's nothing wrong with asking for that, right? Okay. Confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God the holy, in the holy mountain of my God. Yet while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision in the beginning, caused me, he came and flew swiftly and touched me about the time of the evening prayer, 3 p.m. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I'm now come to, to bring forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of the supplications, the commandment came forth. I am to show you, for thou art greatly beloved, so are you. But you, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind. So this includes you. 
Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks of years, or 490 years, shall, de- shall be determined or cut out upon your people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, bringing in, look at this, everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the coming of the Messiah shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Right? And so, so, and the street shall be built again in the wall in troublesome times. But after threescore and two weeks, now these are weeks of years, don't forget that. After 483 years, after they came back into the land, the Messiah was crucified, right? Seven, seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street will be built again and the walls. Nehemiah built the walls, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Who for? For you. And then it says, and the people of the prince shall come. Well, the prince is the Antichrist that he's talking about. And the people of the prince, it's interesting that in 70 AD, when Titus came in and tore down the walls, it was the Arab branch of the, of the um, Roman, Roman army. Now, so I don't know if that means that the Antichrist is going to come out of the Arab nations or not. It could be. The, the thing that it's hard to figure out is that um, the Hebrew people are going to accept him. So how will they accept an Arab? And then, then, then it talks about the tribe of Dan. When he prophesied over Dan, he said, you're, you're a snake in the grass. And so it gives you the idea that he may come from the tribe of Dan. I'm not here to, specula- to speculate on where the Antichrist comes from. I don't care where he came from. I just know where he's going. And I'm not going to be in his funeral. So, I got better things to do than to attend that rat's funeral. But anyway, after 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 seven and three score and two weeks, the street shall be built. After three score and two weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off, not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. Again, that was seventy A.D. And the end of the end is with flood, and to the end of the war of desolation shall be determined. First, now between verses twenty-six and twenty-seven is the church age. No, you can't see it there, but it's there. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's. I, I like to look at it like it's the halftime show in a football game. We are the halftime show. The Jews still have seven years left, and they have to have those fulfilled. So now in Matthew chapter 24, let's try and tie this together a little bit. I don't want to confuse anybody. If you're confused, just wave at me. We'll pray for you. <laughs> well, that's it. The king is coming. But you don't have to wait to enjoy the kingdom. You know, you, we, you and I, we, it, again, it's the great and the terrible day of the Lord. It's great for us. 
like we understand that it's birth things of a new earth, the new heaven, new earth, and that we're going to be participants. We also know that during that seven-year tribulation period, we're going to a wedding feast in heaven. So, so you, you know, that's why Jesus would say, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Why? Because everybody's looking down. Well, what am I going to do in this pandemic and all this? No, no. That's why I love that song, Protector. I cry every time that Ashton sings that. It just touches my heart because that's, that's Romans chapter 4. I'm persuaded that what he has promised, he's able, powerful to perform. This is not the end for us. This is a new beginning. This is a fresh start. And we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, and I've watched this church uh, in the natural emptying out during this pandemic and church split and all that. You know what? I want you to know it does not change me at all. Gideon's army got wiped down to 300 people from 32,000, and then God moved. Four lepers in back in chapter 6 of Second Kings came marching toward the camp of the enemy and wiped them out. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And when these things happen, they're to discourage you. And you would, if you were the devil, let me tell you what you'd be doing. You'd try to, they, he knows that his time is short. He knows that the move of the spirit of God is about to hit the earth and he's doing everything he can to stop it. Why? Because his life is in jeopardy. Because he knows his time is short. Don't be discouraged by the things going on around you. Let Just hang on to him within you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He didn't return to that temple in Matthew 20, 24 because he was walking to your house. No, he was. I remember being in uh, Israel and I was down to see it, Lake Tiberias and I was down at one end of it up on the mountain where Jesus went up to pray. And... Um, and he saw them on the fourth watch of the night, and he came walking to them in the middle of a storm. And when I looked up, and all the, the, oh, the smells over there in the spring. <sighs> anyway, it was just beautiful. The birds were singing, and I heard the Lord say, I saw you in the middle of a storm and came walking to you as well. He, he came to you in the middle of your storm. He walked over the, over the circumstances to get to you. So hang on to those things there. Precious. You are precious in his sight. But you, come on, again, Colossians chapter 3, but you, holy and beloved. This is how he talks to you. Holy and beloved. You're holy to me. You're beloved to me. He, you know, it pleased the Lord to bruise him so that he could get to you, Isaiah 53, 10 says. It pleased the Lord to put, he had to, he had to punish sin. He had to, because he's a, holy and righteous God, and he couldn't be if he didn't. So he needed a focal point. He needed somewhere to, to punish that sin, and he went and raised up his own son so that you could live free. Is he going to judge the world again? Yeah, he's coming to judge the world, but, he's, but that's the second coming. That's not the rapture of the church. He's not ever going to judge you. You're not appointed to wrath. Does that mean bad things won't happen? No, he said in the world you have tribulation. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes life sucks. 
But he said, be of good cheer. Cheer yourself on. He said, I've overcome the world for you. I have overcome the world for who? He didn't overcome the world for himself. He overcame the world for you. Nancy, you calm down over there. I don't want to have to come down there, bless God. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out, period. He departed from that temple to come to you. His disciples came to him and showed him. See, they were impressed by what they could see. My Bible says I walk by faith and not by sight. If you're really walking by faith and not by sight, you can come in here and see this church full every Sunday. You can see this church full every Thursday. Why? Because you believe in God. You're not trying to believe. You already see it. You think that he's letting, you think, like I listen to this praise and worship here, and I'm thinking, dear God, I don't know where I'd go in here any better. Do you think that he raised them up to sing Kumbaya to a few people in the church? Don't you see? No, but don't don't you see something bigger? Don't you see something more powerful? Don't you see people getting healed and delivered and set free when they come into the building? Why? Because it's his glory shall cover the earth, not yours, not mine. He said, I'm going to show up my glory. I'm going to show up my glory. He said, I'm going to dump it out on you. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so here in verse 2, it says, that Jesus, no, the, the, verse 1, rather, he says, they came and showed him and said, look, look what Herod did over 34 years or 46 years or whatever it was. And Jesus said unto them, I'm telling you right now, there will not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, and he said, tell us, number one, when shall these things be? Well, the Diaspora, 70 AD. And what, what shall be the sign of your coming? That's the second advent and the end of the age. My Bible says that he's going to come and all eyes will see him. My Bible tells me in Zechariah 14, they'll look upon him whom they have pierced. Hallelujah. All of creation over all of time is going to see him. So, and the end of the world. And Jesus said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Don't be fooled. How, how, can, I, how can I prevent that? Stay in the word. Many will come in my name and say, and I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. And you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. I see that you're not troubled. All these things. See, no, emphasize, underline what's important here. See that you're not troubled. But all of these things must come to pass. And so you can pray all you want to. You're not going to. You're not going to stop this, okay? <laughs> but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We certainly uh, see in all of that. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, COVID, pestilences, plural. And earthquakes in various places. And, you know, he's given us, he's given us in Psalm 91, he's given us a great promise. He said, no plague will come near your dwelling. Well, that promise is there so that when that plague shows up, you use it as your defense. You know, you say, well, the word didn't work. 
Yeah, the word works. You just have to work the word. You just have to do what it says. It's like Jesus said one time to the disciples. They said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? Jesus told them, I'll tell you what I did. He said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. So he was, he was living an example to them of how they were to operate. So, you know, that, do thou likewise, okay? So don't be fooled. Earthquakes in diverse places. And then, then he's going to answer question number three. When shall be the end of the age? But in order to not to confuse anybody, he answered number two over in Luke, I think, chapter 21. And you had to separate them because they sound so much alike until you, until you do a deep dive into them. Well, you don't have to dive very, very deep. It was pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Luke chapter 21. Of this chapter. Um, I like verse 1. It's got nothing to do with the message today. But I like it because my Bible tells me he watches how people give. He saw the rich man, he saw the rich man casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a, per, a certain poor widow who cast in two mites. And, and what I like about this is it's not about the amount that you give. It's the heart that it comes from, right? Um, let's, let's pick it up. So this is question number two. What shall be the sign of your coming? Take heed that you're not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and the time draws near. Don't go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not yet. Then say, said he unto them, Nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes in diverse places. See, this sounds like Matthew 24, except for a couple little differences here. Pestilences, fearful sights, great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these things shall they lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, and being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But again, this is talking to the Jews, you'll see. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I, I love these verses right here, though. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom that your adversaries are not able to gainsay or resist. I'm telling you right now, a closed mouth is a closed life. You got to be speaking the word of God all the time. And you shall be trade both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and they shall come and they will cause you to be put to death. Oh, bring it on, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's proof that the church is not there. You'll be hated by all men for my name's sake. The, the Jews are not hated by all men until the church is gone. Right now we have friends in Jerusalem. But there shall not be a hair of your pid, hid, hair of your pid. <laughs> there shall not be a hair on your head that will perish. Verse 19, this promise is for everybody, though. In your patience, you possess your soul. In your patience, you gain mastery over your soul. Patience will gain mastery over your soul. 
And this is what I have found in my own life, an irritable disposition <laughs> identifies a problem in the soul. <laughs> it never happens to me, but Nancy, you know, you can really pray for her. Yeah. An internal problem, Nancy, when you're irritable. Yep. <laughs> I know you'll deal with me when you get me home. Okay. I can take it. But really what he's talking about here, in a time of deception, there's terror, there's persecution, there's betrayal, heart failure, intense pressure. <laughs> but in verse 19, he said, but I want you to control your soul. Possess your land internally. Um, and when you see Jerusalem encompassed around with armies, the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let those that are in Judea, again, it sounds so much like Matthew 24, except for some key differences here. Let them that are in the midst depart not. Let them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these are the days of the vengeance that all things that are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto those that are with child for those days and give suck. For great shall be the distress in the land and wrath upon the people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. This, this was 70 AD. Can you see that? They were led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be, here's the proof right here. Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Amen. Until the Gentile bride, Ruth, hooks up with, uh, with Boaz. And that's where we're at. We're, that's, we're on our way to that. No, no, read, read, read the book of Ruth slow. Really enjoy chapter 4. Hallelujah, chapter 3 and chapter 4. Because it's all about you. Ruth the Gentile, Ruth the Moabite, that didn't belong in the kingdom. So it, but you see how everything is connected to everything else here. The time, it said, you'll be trodden down by the Gentiles, Jerusalem was trodden down now for two days or 2,000 years. 2,000 years they've been trodden down by the Gentiles. And so that's what's been going on, right? So now we can go back to Matthew chapter 24 and read the... And again, they were led away captive into all nations. That's not going to happen again. That was called the Diaspora. They were scattered all over the globe up until... 1948, when they when Jerusalem, when they came back home, Israel became a nation again. And Isaiah wrote about it. He said, will a nation become a nation again in one day? Yeah, May 14th, 1948. It happened. And then, then, when, he, then when he talked about that, he said, when you see the budding of the fig tree and all the other trees, he saw, the fig tree is Israel. He said, when you see the budding of the fig tree, all the other trees are like Iraq, Iran, and all those ones that were controlled by the British Empire or the Americans or the French or somebody. They got, their, they got their freedom just in this past generation. He said, so when you see the budding of the fig tree and the budding of the other trees, you know that summer is near. You know that this is, you are in the last generation. I know that people might disagree with me on that, but... You can disagree with the Bible if you want to. I prefer not to. I know, and I also know that in the Hebrew calendar, 
it's 5780. And so where do you get 6,000 out of that? But when you read and understand that they kept, they, they kept the times and the seasons by the kings that were in charge, you'll find out that they left at least three uh, kings out when they were taught, when they were in captivity in Babylon. So could that be, could that make up the years that we missed? I don't believe their calendar any more than I believe ours. You know, the Gregorian calendar was made up too. So, I mean, what what I mean is no man knows the day or the hour, but but he's telling you the season. He's letting you know when you see the budding of the fig tree, know that summer is near. Know that I'm about to, he's about to return. The king is coming. Hallelujah. What if he doesn't come in my generation? I don't care. I'm already in. Like, I'm not waiting for his kingdom to come. I'm in it. And so if he didn't come in my lifetime, I'm not disappointed. I know where I'm going when I fall over. You know, my spirit will go out my mouth and it'll go to heaven. Lots of people wanting to go to heaven, they won't even go to church. No, it's true. I'm saying you want to go spend time with somebody you don't even know. Never took the dime to know him on earth and, oh, I can you know, that's what they even said about this young hockey player last night. Oh, he's skating with the angels now. Not likely. Not likely. If he didn't know Jesus, he's not skating with any angels. He's in hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's unfortunate. But, but again, pe- people get the idea that people even say it right now. God is judging the earth. No, we did it. We're the ones that brought it on, especially the church. The church allowed this to go on, that to go on. Now all of a sudden we're in a jam. And, oh, God. No, no, we could have had, we could have de- dealt with this years ago. But we were too busy touching base on Sunday. Maybe a midweek service if things are desperate. No, but don't you know that, again, read James 4 and verse 6. He's, he, he's after your heart. When you're in love with somebody, you don't pick Sunday. I come see you on Sunday. No, it's every day of the week. Every day of the week. And that's why you can tell when real worshipers. Because you're not trying to pump worship up on a Sunday. They've been worshiping God all week and they're just joining in with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm reminded myself. You know, don't don't be that lukewarm person. He said, that's why he talked when he talked to the church, he said. I got something against you. That doesn't mean that he's against you. But when he says spew you out of his mouth, he's trying to get a picture of bad taste. (laughs) You don't taste good to me right now. Hallelujah. Even so, I come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're we're not nervous. Now, why am I in Mark chapter 2? Did I say go anywhere? Okay. Uh, yeah, Matthew 24, thank you. I needed that. Because we need to answer question number three, the end of the age, right? The end of the age starts in verse 8. It says, this is the beginning of the birth pangs, the end of the age. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you, 
and you'll be hated by all nations. Again, this is proof that the church is gone. Come on, there's people like John Hagee, and there's so many churches in the United States right now, and in Canada, that are plugged into Israel and pumping money in and building bomb shelters and doing all that kind of stuff. We, we support them every month. And we're glad to do that because my Bible says that I'm blessed when I bless Israel. And so how many of you would like to be blessed? You bless Israel every time you put a tithe and an offering in here. Because once a month, we send a check to 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 Israel. So that's where we get the shofars and the Bibles and some of the other stuff they've been sending us. I think the last thing we got was a blanket that was made in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia... There's a whole, a whole, I, I don't know, 150,000 Jews, black Jews, that have been there since, since Acts, the book of Acts. Remember when, when, when uh, the eunuch came down to, to the feast? They were, they were celebrating, they were celebrating um, um, God back then, Judaism. But when he went back, when, when the eunuch went back, Actually, Sheba was the one that took took the kingdom of God back into back into Africa, into Ethiopia. But when when uh, the eunuch came up, he took the kingdom of God, the Christianity, back there. Hallelujah! So you know, so the the cool thing today is the DNA. You might have Jewish blood in you. We don't know. All I know is we all came from boat people. And there was only three of them on the boat that had kids, Shem, Ham, and Zaphat. And so somewhere along, like, what, what nationality are you? I don't know. <laughs> I found out the Scottish part because, because I went to Picto Island and saw where my dad was born and all that and found out about how they came over from Scotland. But it answered a question for me. There's strong things in your DNA as well. Like, I'd be a kid standing and watching the parade the bag pipes would come by, and I would just start to cry. And I still do it to this day. I don't want to. I'm standing there like a big blubber and idiot. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have to be amazing grace anyway. All it has to, well, he just has to hit that first note, and the tears come. But those are things that you got from, from your natural side. Think about the things that you got from your spiritual side. Hallelujah. Then they shall deliver you up, verse 9, and you'll be led away to all nations for my name's, name's sake. And they shall be offended. They shall betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise up and deceive many. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto me, and then shall the end come. Well, who's going to preach the gospel? 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Read about it in the book of Revelation. God has got 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe that he's going to set loose on the earth in the last days. You, need to, you want to know about the rapture? Read about how many there are in the book of Revelation. There's not just the one in chapter 4 and verse 1 where we leave. No, there's after, after that. It happens two, three times. Amen. Why? Because, again, the book of Revelation is... Not, whoa, it's me. The book of Revelation is called a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of the Antichrist. How does he get such a big focus? He's not, imp listen, he's not important. 
Do you need to know your enemy? No, if you know your Lord, you, 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 don't, you don't have to study the counterfeit. Just study what's real, and you'll recognize the counterfeit every time. Amen. Amen to that. Say amen to that, Gary. Amen. But you shall, they that endure till the end, verse 13. Verse 12. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Well, we can see that even in our generation before the end of the age. You know, they studied music. They did a study on music here not too long ago. They went back three or four decades, and they found out that back then it used to be we and us, and now all it is is me and mine. Like we've raised up a generation of narcissistic people, selfies on, you know, just it's all about, it's all about me. I like to tell you that it is all about you, but not in the way that you think. You're important because you're important to God, and you were put on this planet for one reason, one reason only, to have a relationship with him, to discover him. And if he wanted another angel, he could have made one. No, he made you and gave you a free choice. And the most powerful thing on the planet is not God. The most powerful on the planet is your will. Your will. You can will well God right out of your life. You can go to hell. I remember one time I was praying for this guy in the hospital. He was dying. I had my hand on him, praying for him. He was trying to quiver to shake my hand off because he, he just didn't want prayer. I'm thinking, buddy, you, and when you drop off this earth, you start to fall. The fall never ends. My Bible says it's outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Anybody thinking, I'm going to go to hell because there's a party? You'll be there all by yourself. You can hear the screams of other people. Don't go there. If that's you, don't go there. But verse, um, verse 13 says, They that endure shall the end, end of the tribulation period. Again, this is Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. So if you can endure to the end of that, you shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world as a witness unto all nations, then shall the end come. But here's, here's the verse. When you see, therefore, the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, you that reads, let him understand. Then let him that which is in Judea flee unto the mountains. And, and he goes on talking about that. But, and again, I don't want to get bogged down in this whole chapter. But what he sets up, Antiochus Epiphanes was the first one to set up something in the temple. Antiochus Epiphanes was killed by the Maccabee brothers. But Antiochus Epiphanes went in and polluted the altar of God, set up a false temple, and, and, uh, and poured the blood of Jewish kids over the altar. And, and, and when, when Daniel talked about it, he said, the, the, the offspring of Antiochus Epiphanes is going to come, and he's going to set up an idol of himself in the temple. And you, if, if you don't come and bow and worship it, you're done, right? So remember that name, Antiochus Epiphanes, okay? We have fun with that. No, I had, I had some fun. I'll close with this. Uh, one year, we, we, we had sold our house, and we didn't have a new house to move into until January. So we, sell, we celebrated Christmas 
at the Ramada, whatever it's called now. And we went down into the pool at Chris, at, on Christmas Day, not realizing that all the Jehovah's Witnesses were there. They were even training their kids, knocking on doors where there was nobody home. And they were doing all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, Nancy and I sat in the hot tub, and here came this one. She is going to convert us. And uh, so she came down, and she sat down. She started talking about Christmas. I said, oh, yeah, December the 25th. That's when they killed the, the Maccabee brothers, killed Antiochus Epiphanes. She looked at me. <laughs> and, and then I preached the gospel to her for a few minutes, and she excused herself and went out. But I believe that, that my labor's not in vain, and I believe that that word, if, it's, if it didn't get her yet, it's still rattling around on the inside of her, right? Anyway, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. I guess we're done, aren't we? So what was the three questions? What shall be the sign of your... Con no. When shall these things be? Titus, 70 AD. What shall be the sign of your coming? Matthew 24, or, or Luke 21, rather, and the end of the age, Matthew 24. And again, they sound a lot alike until you realize that, that in Luke's gospel, there's a time called the times of the Gentiles would be fulfilled. And it's just like when we're done here, when we're done here, we'll know it, and, this, and he'll hit that button, and the Jewish calendar will start again for the seven years that's owed them. And how long are we going to be in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Seven years. We're going to miss the whole mess. That doesn't mean that it's not a mess right now, and I'm, I don't mean to belittle that. But again, I want to emphasize the fact that we are blessed if we do get vaccinated. We're blessed if we don't get vaccinated, and we love each other, okay? We love each other. We're not mad at each other. He's not, you, sh you know, you should do it this way and you should do it that way. No, no, I did it the way that I was led by God to do. And you may be led in a totally different direction. My job is judge not lest I be. I don't want it. I don't want to be judged. I got enough to deal with with Nancy. I don't need to be judged. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have had, but I do now. <laughs> now, we're, we're together 24-7. I got to tell you, we have a lot of fun. Or at least I do. I'm hoping that she enjoys some of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.